you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast is accepting tailgate invites. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, here we are. Yeah, put Dan in a radio station booth, and he starts yelling at me like uh, the host of Mike and the Mad Dog or something. I- I like That's a good job by you, Mikey. Sports Talk 790 AM, our new location, and the home of Lance Zierling. <clears throat> yeah, this I think this is Zierbaum's uh, actual um, office area, so we're going to take good care of it. Uh, friend of the show, Lance Zierling, uh at the iHeart Radio Studios here in uh, downtown Houston, the site, of course, of Super Bowl 51. Marron, here we are, now just five days away from the big game. Uh, and guys, it's time to start talking about that game. Last week we had some fun. We had some good times. Mark, you hit the road on your road trip. Oh, make sure you check out Mark Sessler's banger. Uh, what's the, uh, vanity URL, Mark? Let me get back to you on that. It's not what I thought it was. Good actually. promotion, so Mark. I will, Good I will promotion. come back to you on that. We should hear a little bit about that trip. It's not too often that Mark Sessler yeah. is going to be driving across the country on the way to the Super Bowl. Maybe never again. <laughs> how, how much driving did you do? Well, I was not. That was not my my primary role, as we discussed <laughs> on the last segment. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, now that uh, road trips are done, and we're all now here together in Houston, we're going to turn our attention to New England Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons in the in the Super Bowl last night. Uh, we all um, got in yesterday, with the exception of Wes, who got on Sunday. Uh, but we went to media night. And uh, at Minute Maid Park, which is the home of the Houston Astros. Uh, so we'll talk about our takeaways from, um, you know, a uniquely NFL event, Media Night. Uh, so we'll talk about all the uh, the happenings there. Uh, we'll also check in what's going on around uh, the NFL outside of this game, because there is some big news going on out there. And we like to check all the boxes, folks. Greg, that's what we do. We check all the boxes. <laughs> that's just our life. You know, checking boxes. I'd like to think we do more than that. Box checker. You know what, though? You need... This is Super Bowl week. This isn't about box checking. But you need somebody to We're check the boxes. Going for a championship here. You need somebody who could check the boxes, but with some flair. All right. I don't know. Who knows what we're talking about. Uh, also, we will, uh, about that game, uh, a segment called The Darkest Timeline, where we make a case on both sides, both for the Falcons and the Patriots, uh, why we might get, yes... Another blowout. So these are the things we're going to talk about today. We are all excited to be here together in Houston. What is this, our fourth Super Bowl as a foursome? It is. On the road together? This is our fourth Super Bowl. And, you know, First one was in New Orleans. Yeah. No. no. I mean, First one was in New York. Oh, I blew it. Back in Los Angeles. Were you in Los Angeles, I believe, reporting from that office during that Super Bowl? 
Dan, we've been to six, though. Where this will be our six? This is number six for the Sizzler and I. I do want to make a, uh, a statement. Uh, this is for the, the shadowy league figures. I know what you did by putting us in the C-Lister hotel. <laughs> I know there a message was sent to the heroes, uh, one, to keep us on the straight and narrow, to let us know, oh, you think you have a nice amount of listeners to your show, you think your fan base uh, is saucy and passionate and beautiful. Well, guess what? You're not. You're not big boys. No, and it was it was around 11:30 last night. The four of us having a nice beer together, and you think we're right in the lobby of this gigantic <laughs> hotel, this Super Bowl hotel. Where will Jerry Jones be? Mark Davis, the rest. There are probably five other humans in the entire <laughs> lobby. And the poor waitress is just waiting for us to leave. So that's the scene. I, I think the sad part, though, is it's not a message being sent. It's more like that Mad Men scene where Don, you know, goes to the other guy. He's like, "No, I, I don't think about you at all." Well, that's well. Yeah. I mean, what's more depressing? But uh, yeah, I felt like the bar was like one of those zombie apocalypse movies where the survivors walk through like a major city landmark and it's desolate and eerie. Uh, that's the lobby of our hotel. And then on our, my way to the media center in Radio Row today. I, I cut through uh, the Marriott Marquis, where Handsome Hank and the other third floor uh, diamonds are, and a gorgeous, pa- liter- literally a palace that opened five days ago. Literally? They yeah. opened it for the third floors. <laughs> the 2% power reigns. How many hours will pass before that becomes our hotel bar? Will we even uh, will we even descend on our own hotel again? I don't know. I don't know. Greg, you're not a, you're not comfortable. You you feel like this sends a, a bad message about us complaining about anything. No, it's your old boss way coming through. No, I just be I, happy what you get is what Greg says. You are projecting in a high stress situation on me. <laughs> I'm good with this conversation. I I don't miss any chance to complain about the corporate overlords, but this is the first year we've had a Mitch. Oh, we did have a We Mitch. have handlers this year. We had a driver that took us from the media center to iHeart Radio Studio, iHeart Studio Radio, or whatever this place is called. Um, and that is, that's a step up. We were passed so through positive. three separate handlers. We even had a person who made sure we were walking out the right door and to the right car. <laughs> well, that's just because we're stupid and we need help. <laughs> None of us has any sense of direction, and they understand that. All right. Sydney is not with us, but she is uh, across the way in Los Angeles. Uh, so, Sid, I know you hear me. Let's do some news. What's your favorite part of the Around the NFL podcast? Now, isn't that adorable? Robert Bruce uh, sent that in. Uh, his three-year-old boy, uh, he's like the next Jonathan Lipnicki of Jerry Maguire. He's like <laughs> our cute. Lipnicki. He's our human he's head weighs eight pounds kid we've been given that much you know we have a lip nicky and we're in the c-lister hotel wake up shadowy league figures anyway yes let's get to some news we'll start with media night uh which was held as i said at minute Maid park uh and mark why don't, why don't you set the stage for the audience and let them know your overall feeling about media night you've been to six of them now and how this one differed a little bit from the past and the general vibe it did i mean i would typically i will not hold back and i know there's already been enough of four reporters complaining about being at the super bowl but uh media night 
Historically, Don't you put me in the C-list hotel? Yes, Media Night historically, I think you know maybe there are moments of it uh, that that are rewarding, but very few and far between if you're there to report it because you got a wild crowd behind you going crazy. There's crazy stuff happening on the video board, and you're just trying to discern to get any sort of information from a player or a coach, and none of them want to be there. So it's a little tough. But last night's being in Minute Maid Park. I thought that it was the best one for me that I've experienced because it was more spaced out. Mm. They put some of the fans had headphones on so they could get their noise a different way. It had a little bit of a more controlled setting to well, it. It was certainly more subdued. It which was more subdued. Maybe uh, from from our vantage point as reporters trying, journos trying to get through the fleshy mounds to get some <laughs> info, it was better. But I don't know, like Greg, did you did it seem to you that it was a little? Uh, a little like tamped down, and you almost want Media Night to be a little weird. No, and different? no, I don't want it to be any weirder. I think it was just <laughs> a bigger place, and so that made more space. and And you're right that it's it's a strange night, but it's also like a night where you could talk to Matt Patricia, the Patriots defensive coordinator, one on one for ten minutes, which is like it is good access. You never they- you're never gonna really get that get that opportunity. So if you want. Like I thought, the players for the most part are were happy to be there. The Patriots notably seemed to just kind of be enjoying this, and like they're not, they're not. No one's being a jerk. Even Bill Belichick is taking like questions about his underwear and stuff like that pretty, pretty <laughs> happily. Uh, speaking of Bill Belichick, um, you know, I'm going to share a few clips of uh, of his availability. Uh, here's one. This is where you want to be at the end of the year. You want to be in this game. You want to be playing for a championship. We're fortunate enough to do that. We have a good team. I have a lot of respect for these guys, the players, how mm-hmm. hard they work, mm-hmm. how, how competitive they are. And um, this is where we want to be. So we're going to enjoy it. We're going to embrace it. And we're going to compete on Sunday. Thrilling stuff, Greg. Now this is the part <laughs> where you step in, Greg, and you say, no, you're missing the whole point, Dan. This guy's fascinating. There were many moments on Monday night where he gave good answers, whether it was about historical stuff about his dad or, you know, the history of football or, you know, stupid stuff. He shot down some, you know, reporter who went back to an underwear question. You Apparently, can't go back. You can't no, go back. He's like, uh, not yet. Actually, we, we already covered that. I'm not superstitious. Uh, and like Donald, <laughs> Donald, like they brought up a Donald Trump question. And I do like the Belichick move where he not only doesn't answer the question, he just sort of like, he just laughs and looks away and waits, like lets everyone know to ask another question. Like he wouldn't even dignify well, it with did, an answer. I saw it happen with um, a Univision reporter who dared to ask about um, the halftime show, and he he kind of humored her initially, and then when she asked a second question about Lady Gaga, he gave her a Can't look go back. for a half second, kind of a deep breath, and went, yeah. And looked away from her, mm. so gave her a mo- moment to smolder and just and burn away and turn into ash like the Terminator Two people in the playground, and then the it, it carried on. But yeah, Belichick, he seemed like he was in good spirits though. He was happy. I mean, he he said the, there's nowhere he would rather be. I actually believed him because the, it, he knows what this means. He you know it's early in the week. It's unlike any other week of the season because he's already done the game plan. Like, they don't really have a lot to do Monday, Tuesday, relatively, so I don't think they're too stressed out. Like, he goes out for dinner with friends in, in this p- part of the week. Let's see what else fun. Bill had to say. Well, I think for the entire team, we all understand that we need to play our, our best game. We need to really have a great, 
do a great job in our execution and um, in all the things that are important fundamentally to having good plays, no matter what the plays are. So hopefully we can do that as a team. Yeah. That's for everybody. Fascinating. Goal. You know, anyone can cherry pick a couple of bad <laughs> no, it's answers. Not cherry picking. Anyone I, can do that. We had the name of the video file that I, I'm taking this from, and Sydney uh, helped me out here. Was the best of Bill Belichick. And I just <laughs> want to say, what were you saying, Mark? No, I think the, the one thing that I've noticed. I, I don't know about you covering the Falcons, Chris, but each thing that I've been to so far, I, compared to past Super Bowls, and I do think this would be different if the Cowboys were here. There, everyone says, oh, it's a bigger room, it's a wider space. I get it, but it just feels like there's less media here. It feels like a little bit of a down-tempo lead-up to the game so far. It's certainly more calm this year, and I'm with the Falcons, and since only two people in the country cover the Falcons, right. there aren't many, there's not much, much competition, but I have noticed more of a divide this year in the behavior of print journalists versus the self-important narcissist in television. <laughs> if you have a microphone and a camera, you can go wherever you want, nudge people out of the way, jump to the front of the line, <laughs> shove people into a burning fire, whatever you want to do because you have a microphone and a camera. It's well it, said. In depending on, <laughs> depending I on love who, less at media night every no, year, you, though. It's oh, fun. You couldn't draw up something that is more distasteful to me than By media. By the way, night. not only was, does Wes hate media oh, The night, music was so bad. Ex-Ambassadors, uh, a, a modern rock band, came out and played essentially a halftime show and then a post-game show. So Wes, who also detests uh, commercial live music uh, in a concert setting, so you had to deal with that. You had to deal with the bodies, and you had to deal with the cameramen and the self-important blowhards. There was no Al Lighter this year acting like an animal. There was just, you know. They killed modern rock. It's no longer modern. That was like the worst thing I've ever heard. I will Didn't give, rock go out like 15 years ago? I will give the guy credit from Ex-Ambassadors, and I'm not really familiar with the band, but he wore uh, Adidas sweatpants on the stage, and I got to give him a little bit of credit. He's like... Saying, you know, comfort is more important than cool. Rock stars used to wear, like, leather pants, and now it's over. It's, it's just like, and it was I'm an- going to wear Adidas. It was another lead singer that had a sneaky Brian Hoyer look to him. Yeah. Just with a beard this time. Well. Another one of these guys. What else went on at media night? Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, always the biggest star. Brady had the biggest crowd by far. I thought it was interesting how, uh, even at the end of his availability, it was, you know, t- 15 people deep. By the end of Matt Ryan's availability, the probable... MVP of the league, you could get right next to him uh, by the end of the Falcons hour. But, you know, I think a big part of what... Matt Ryan makes Bill Belichick look in- sound interesting, <laughs> yeah, so there's yeah. a reason for that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so I think a big part of uh, hanging over both media night and this entire week is what's going on in the country right now uh, with the controversy and the protests and uh, Donald Trump's early uh, early weeks in office here. And, of course, Tom Brady, who... Uh, over a year ago, had a uh, Make America Great Again hat in his locker, and he's lived to regret that, I believe, because now he's president, just like nobody else really expected Donald Trump to be president. I don't think Tom Brady. Does it, do, you guys, do you guys think no. that he ever thought that this could be a situation he'd be in? I don't think he thought he would be facing a week-long barrage of questions around this. And, and going back to, real quick, the the, the mood of all of this, I think that what's happening in the country, you can't just ignore it, absolutely has draped over this Super Bowl to some degree. I mean, we're not in the mood to you know, be fascinated by a bunch of clowns running around, you know, asking questions that are ridiculous. Well, I wrote on, on End Around that this is, in terms of uh, Super Bowl history, you might have to go back to Super Bowl 25, which happened just as the 
Operation Desert Storm kicked yeah. off to find a Super Bowl where the current events of the country were so pushed to the surface that it, it, it kind of puts the game in a different light. Mm-hmm. But here, Tom Brady was asked about um, his relationship with Donald Trump. As uh, I'm sure he got more than one question on the topic. Greg, we can throw it to you in a second because you got close to Brady. Uh, here's what Brady had to say. He's been deflecting the questions for months and months, and it didn't stop yesterday. What's going on with the world, Buck? I haven't paid much attention to what's going on. Country, President Trump, all that's happening and so forth. Like I said, I'm just a positive person, so, you know, I just want the best for everybody. Is it fair, Greg, for him to to be dodging the question like that? No, because he's been a political actor in some ways in terms of putting the hat there and some other. He's put himself into that arena, into that conversation. So I think if you're going to do that, then you should answer the questions. Not, not yeah. just shoot it down. And I guess what do we expect out of him? But but then then don't make any statement to begin with. I would I wouldn't say what's going on in the country. It's a bad just question. focused on what I'm doing. I'm I mean, a positive it, person. Like I, no, bro. You. I mean, I think part of this, like I was saying, he. I don't think he had any idea that this was going to go. I thought he. I think Trump was his little golf buddy. And he, he put the hat in there, and it was cute, and Donald would probably shoot him a text, and that's cool. But then all of a sudden, Trump's the president is enacting policies that are freaking people out. And now Brady's a, a, the most famous athlete in America, and he's tied directly to Trump. It's it's a tricky situation. Yeah, it's poor form. Uh, he is a positive person. I think that's the way he's wired, that he he, he envisions things happening, and he makes them happen. He's wired to do things in a positive way. But you backed Trump, or you said words that supported him, and that has consequences. You should deal with him. And that wasn't the only time Trump came up came up uh, in this. In fact, the the most high profile, prominent time Trump's name came up, uh, surprisingly, was from one owner to another during a live NFL Network uh, fill in the blank segment between Arthur Blank of the Falcons and Robert Kraft. Oh, let's talk about this. All right, now we're going to have a little bit of fun. The most famous person in your cell phone right now is Kenny Chesney. That's okay. blank. All right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. How about you, Mr. Kraft? Donald Trump over here. Yeah. <laughs> Elton John. Elton John. That's another good one. Okay. That's a great right. one. Yeah. Excellent. I love Elton. Uh, Kraft, by the way, gave Arthur Blank a look like bro <laughs> before saying Elton John. Owner code. Well, it it's trick it's tricky to talk about. For everyone, and that includes the players, you know, I asked Ricardo Allen uh, about it, who's a safety on the Falcons, who's a likable guy from the Hard Knock season, if you if you remember. And he said, we we try to keep it out because that kind of stuff can divide a team. And he, he didn't try to put two things about it. He's like, we're in, we're, you know, there's a few people that have things to say, but when they're when we're in meeting rooms, when we're with coaches, when we're in an official team capacity – we don't want that coming up because that is going to you like little news stories could create a problem. And he's saying stories like what's happening right now that could create a, a real problem. And so it's kind of I, I get it in their situation where they're pre, you know preparing for a Super Bowl. They're kind of just see Tom, no evil here, hear no evil, right. right? Exactly. And who has more than Tom Brady? I mean, I, from that angle, I understand Brady's response where I'm paid to do what I'm doing. My whole career rests on this game and everything else, you're going to ask me to start to go down other political channels and get all worried about other stuff. Other people can. That's not Brady's role right now. Let's move on and talk about what was kind of the most um, entertaining story, but also kind of cringeworthy if you put yourself in that person's shoes. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, who was a big star 
uh, on the floor uh, at media night was speaking with uh, press members uh, for an hour straight. Uh, he had his book bag uh, or his backpack uh, near his vicinity, and at the end of the speaking engagement, he looks down, and the backpack's gone. Greg, what happened? That That is wild that a 78-year-old columnist for the San Francisco Examiner, paper I'm not familiar with, you know, maybe well, our podcast listeners from San Francisco can... Been around for a very long time. Okay. There okay. used to be an examiner in so many of the NFL cities. And, uh... It examines yeah. things. Old art, I believe. Uh, you know, he, he took it, he took the bag by mistake. He left his bag behind. Uh, USA Today is the one that reported this story out, but Shanahan was frantically looking around the floor for 15 minutes. Apparently has the game plan in it. You know, they, I think the, a security official from the Falcons looked through Art's bag, figured out who it was, and they, you know, they started calling him and they got the bag back. I mean, of all things, it's a reporter that's going to have to be covering Kyle Shanahan from here on out. So, kind of a rocky <laughs> start. You might want to go down the blackmail route where you say, I have this thing. But in return, constant scoopage up in the what, bay. What about the six degrees of separation here? And follow along. Art, 76 years old. 78. 78 years old. Writes for a uh, weekly newspaper or daily newspaper from Sa- in San Francisco, which is nearby where Tom Brady grew up, who is the quarterback <laughs> of the Patriots, Ooh. who are coached by Bill Belichick, who cheats. <laughs> what if he was in on this? He told the old man to get the, the book bag, and he told him to get the chip out of the iPad. Who's in with me? Who's coming with me? I'll come with you. That I like that's juicy yeah, I mean, and it's realistic. I, I you could almost sense the air come out of the balloon for all the tinfoil hat conspiracists <laughs> oh, that were hoping they could have something to talk about with this story. I think he went with the Uncle Leo defense. I'm old. I didn't know any better. <laughs> Shanahan, by the way, you know, handle it was. It's such a strange situation because he's talking about this is his first Super Bowl. This is the peak of his professional career. He's been to. He said six Super Bowls as his coach's son. He's never been as a coach, and he's got the great one of the greatest offenses of all time. Meanwhile, he, the whole time he's answering questions about the 49ers and who, a job that he can't officially say he took. Like the whole thing was strange. I thought he handled it very well. Maybe a little did, more of a, a Kyle Shanahan fan, just how how he talked about it. Did Dan it. Quinn have a similar situation yeah. in Seattle yes. before he took yes. the Falcons? Yeah, shot? that's yeah. a good point. It's not easy. Cause, and he said, I'm not going to lie, like I'm really excited about what's coming up and everything. And you, you got to think, like he knows he has so much work to do in San Francisco, but he's got the biggest game of his life ahead right now. Bel- Belichick, that's if- one thing he said. He said this Shanahan offense ranks with the, the best offenses he's ever faced. Well, I think Chris Wesley said it before Belichick did. But I, 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 wow. I have wondered Wes, if – Yes, how about that? Thank you, Mark. Belichick. But, well, what I'm supposed to give you credit for that, that over Belichick Bill Belichick? Not, no, not, <laughs> not, not Belichick rides my coattails. <laughs> That's what I say. I have wondered if the, if the Shanahan thing at all is a distraction. I it assumed, I presume not, uh, especially if you look back at the way Dan Quinn handled it. But it's person to person, and I mean, it's it is an odd thing to suddenly realize this guy that you've kind of he's so tight with Matt Ryan that it's over, and it's like he's mm. leaving. I don't know. Um, Devontae Freeman. Let's spin through a couple more things from media night. Uh, Devontae Freeman told NFL.com's Mike Silver that the club should pay him like a top tier money, like, uh, pay him top tier money like the elite back he has been this season. He kind of pushed it off when asked about it. Wes Freeman should he be paid like a top tier back? Is he that good? I think he's a top six NFL back. Whether he should be paid like one depends on how you want to build your team. But this was good mm. reporting by Mike Silver and awful instincts by Freeman's agent 
to come out with this right before the Super Bowl to put that kind of attention on it, you, you can figure that stuff out in the off season. I I agree, but the the reaction and maybe it's just reading Twitter seemed a little too much in that direction. Is it really that big a story? I mean, was it really that big a deal? Like, is this something that's bothering when, the team? The I don't agents, think it's that. It's not. It's not some crazy thing. When the this agents week. coming out and throwing shade on Tevin Coleman's role in the offense, <laughs> that's, that's not that's a fair. good idea. That's and fair. I, I I would have a problem with it if I was in the Falcons locker room. Hmm. Save your agent from talking until the offseason. That's what I would tell Devonta Freeman. That's fair. Uh, Mark, you you spent some time with Dante Scarnecchia, who is the most famous offensive line coach in mm-hmm. America. He was great. I mean, he uh, well, first I went and talked to a couple of his players just to, to find out kind of what they feel about him. It's an article that I was assigned and will be writing. Um, but then I went and talked to... Well, what does that mean? That's, yeah, what? That's the, that's it's another it article that exists that that's, will it, have my it, byline. It will, exist. it will exist by tomorrow morning. Subbanger? He, not even. I mean, let's... <laughs> oh, wait. Let's someone not. came up with a with a good word for a subbanger. Now I'm forgetting it. Was it like a thumper? That's showmanship. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sets it up. Get, come back to us with that, Greg. All right, go ahead, Mark. Well, I thought Dante Skronica, though, then so I... I you know, and the floor is so vast that if you're looking for someone... It, it's next to impossible. And if you run into someone, you're just lucky. And suddenly, this little white-haired coach, little tiny guy, he's very small, was suddenly right right there. I was like, that's Dante Scarnecchia. So I just got in there and started to listen to him. I thought he was just a perfect guy. He went through and talked about how someone like him relates to guys that are 21, 22, 23. I mean, that's hard in our office sometimes. But he clearly <laughs> believes so much in teaching. They all, all his players said... This guy loves us so much. He's there for us. He cares about teaching. They said he's the most consistent coach they've ever been around, that the way he does it in OTAs is the same way, the same drills he does during Super Bowl week. And that line, they were much healthier this year. That helped. But they've been incredibly consistent, and I think his return's a big reason why. I, I don't, I've never heard him talk. I've never actually seen him. I yeah. imagine him to be like, what is his name, Geppetto from <clears throat> Pinocchio? I love Geppetto. Like a, a kindly, a young, uh, old Italian man. He's like four Pretty feet much. tall. And uh, cooks a mean meatball. Got a meatball. little bit of G- Geppetto in him. Who's the Jiminy the Cricket in this situation? Uh, That'd be Shaq Mason. Shaq Mason <laughs> is the correct answer. Uh, any other takeaways uh, mm. from the from media night other than Chris Berman's uh, personal tribute, where they brought him onto the stage uh, to the tune of the Natural? Thing. That was oh my God! And speaking of like TV <laughs> TV reporters coming up and saying what they could do, like, there was a moment, Chris, you would have really, Wes, you would have appreciated. Like when he came up to Dante Hightower and just tried to like get his eye contact, it was really, it, there was just such a moment of like, make sure you know who I am and that you're lucky. That, you know, daddy is coming home to talk to you. It's your big time because I'm speaking to you. There, the level of, bi- <laughs> uh, the level I'm of telling big you, that's what I saw. The level of big timing that goes on in these, in these functions just amazes me. You know where there's no Couldn't big timing? At the Hyatt. No, no. Oh. There's no cast system. There's only four or five people it's there. Just like, we're, yeah, we're it's like four. 70. There's more staff there, and we all have a nice time together, and it's like a fallout shelter. See, it's the first time I've ever been at the Super Bowl and seen more tumbleweeds than bar patrons. <laughs> I have – see, I have some different vantage point. When we would come with – for NBCSports.com, thinking of like 07, 08 were, were my first Super Bowls, sometimes you'd be – You'd be like a 45 minutes away in some Holiday Inn or something. Mm. So at least, yeah, it's a nice place. They got so it's getting Einstein back to what bagel. I thought you were going to hit us with, which was yeah. be thankful for what No, you I'm just Stop saying we're, yeah. could be a lot worse. 
It's, no more kvetching. Future uh, podcast sponsor, Houston's Hyatt Regency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly could be worse. Uh, big news, surprise news out of San Francisco. The 49ers have named John Lynch uh, their new general manager. Uh, John Lynch, uh, a man with limited experience, to say the least, uh, has most recently, at least in a, in a management role, um, the deal is for six years, the same contract length the 49ers are planning to give Kyle Shanahan when they officially make him their head coach, according to Rap Sheet and, um, and Wes. Your thoughts on this hiring, which to me kind of felt like on some level, uh, Lynch, a guy, a Hall of Fame player, well-respected. People think he does a great job in the booth. Uh, but immediately you got the Matt Millen uh, comparisons, the same type of situation with Detroit. We know how that turned out. To me, it felt a little bit like a Hail Mary move from the 49ers in the sense that they need something big to turn the franchise around, so let's take a chance on this guy with huge upside but a big question mark. Yeah, I think you labeled that pretty well. As a general rule in all fields, I think that talent is much more important than experience. But hmm. in this specific role, as general manager, what does he know about the salary cap and contracts and all, in addition to the fact that he's never really scouted or worked his way up through the system, you're right. It seems like a Hail Mary to me, and I'm just not sure if Jed York deserves benefit of the doubt on this. Well, Jed read- York doesn't. Does he? I mean, go ahead. No, I, I mean, he clearly does not, based on his recent track record. He owes millions of dollars to people that a year and two years ago he thought were the right group. And what happened in San Francisco was a continual issue between – the various power silos, the GM and the coach, not getting along. Nice I think silo it, usage in a big go. spot. What happened, has to happen here is Kyle Shanahan, who, by the way, for all the good things he does, has gone from organization to organization and in, in some cases left some unhappy people behind. And so the question for me is how Lynch, who is going to be a really trial-by-fire general manager, gets along with the first-time head coach. That's going to decide, I think, a lot of how this works. Well, it, it sounds like Kyle Shanahan picked him. So it it just speaks Lynch to picked himself. It it sounds like what do you mean he picked himself? Called Kyle Shanahan and offered his services for the job. And and hmm. and he he also spoke that he was so thankful that Kyle basically I I think pitched the Lynch idea to to the Yorks that he was so supportive of it. You know, he talked about it and said anyone that's successful and that smart and you know, you give them time and you got to like like the first day I'm not an expert on you know guys coming up in the personnel business but everyone's reaction to the guy they hired Adam Peters as their vice president of personnel was basically that this is a shooting star who was rising in the Broncos organization was the last guy that the Broncos wanted to let leave but because John Lynch um is so well respected and has these relationships he got this guy to come with him now this you know Peters he knows about scouting so he's going to be the vice president of personnel and you would think that a lot of the people working for Lynch are the ones that are going to be making a lot of the, the those kind let of me ask things. You, let me ask you this. I know that you mentioned last week that head coach in the NFL is now like a CEO more than being really intense with the position groups and running an offense or a defense. Do you think that the football czar role is becoming more like that where hmm. John Elway oversees guys that do the salary cap or oversees personnel people, but he's in more of just like – captaining the ship rule yes but i could also point to other teams that have had football czars before and right. it's gone horribly wrong i think it's just you cannot there's no one way to do it right there's no one way to be a gm um and i think kyle it, it tells us that kyle shanahan's gonna have a lot of power we knew that right out of the gate 
And it's about the mix. It, 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 it's so many people having to work together with in an egoless way. You don't hear about power issues inside of New England or other really successful teams like Green Bay because they typically don't exist. They fish those people out. Well, he, Shanahan found a guy that he respects, and it's crazy that they got a six-year contract. That's the that re- was reporting. An so, eyebrow so the 49ers basically are reacting to their reputation of firing someone every year and saying, nope, this is the time it's for real. We are legitimately going to let them. It was almost like Jed York say, like, Or Jed per- York is trying to sink the family fortune. And he's, <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's almost like he's preventing move. the future Jed York. He's, he's like, he's like, I know this is going to be tough. Our roster is really bad. The only way I can prevent myself from firing them all like in two years is give them yeah, both six-year contracts. the obvious problem with that, though. John Lynch could stink at his job. <laughs> And let's be honest, working at Fox, nice gig, saw him at media night, he seemed to be having a good time, people seem to like the job he does, but he, the chance to be a GM with no previous front office experience, did you have to offer him six years to lure him into the gig? I'm a little surprised that you would have to give him that many years. That many years, absolutely, but I will say that what's equally tiresome is to watch coaches and GMs and front office people get burnt out and get fired and then get immediately hired to do the same thing somewhere else. So mm. I'm okay with looking outside of the normal group of people, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, finally, uh, the Indianapolis Colts have named Chris Ballard their new general manager. Uh, this comes eight days after the um, strange and drawn-out dismissal of Ryan Grigson. Uh, Ballard was the Chiefs Director of Football Operations uh, and he now takes over for the Colts, as we've talked about. This is, it's always, it's going to, as long as Andrew Luck is there, it's going to be a good job. Uh, but, uh, Greg, he needs to make the moves that Ryan Grigson did not know how to make, and maybe that starts on the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. And in defense, who has Grigson brought in other than Vontae Davis? That's kind of an exciting player core piece. I liked what I heard out of Ballard. We'll see. They drafted well in Kansas City. Uh, that is what's happening in the news. Okay. Oh, you're not even going to bring up uh, the Jets hiring their offensive coordinator, John Morton? Oh, it's because no one cares about the Jets. Enough shots about Belichick. Your team is has no Q <laughs> oh, factor Greg. right now. So, first of all, not a good look. <laughs> Second of all, you just said, why didn't we bring it up? Because nobody cares about the Jets. But you wanted to bring up John Morton is a great man. John Morton is ready to lead the Jets. He's been in the league for 13 years. Um, my research tells me that he spent the last two seasons with the Saints as a receivers coach. And you want to talk about a high-flying offense, the Saints – and now you got John Morton mm. in the building in the Meadowlands. Who knew John Morton was drawing up that offense? I <laughs> what? It was Sean Payton. <laughs> what could go wrong? He'll be the the best uh, Sean Payton assistant since Joe Lombardi. This guy's the Tom <laughs> Savage of offensive coordinators. <laughs> all all our problems are solved in New York. Okay, that's what's happening in the news. You know, Greg, don't get touchy. This is your special I, week. That was me having fun. Do you, was... uh, is this what you want to hear? You want to hear some more Belichick? <laughs> Is that what you want? That was unbecoming, Greg. You know, we've, we've played a lot of good football teams. They play hey. hard from snap to whistle uh, 60 minutes. Oh, a lot okay. of respect for that. And they practice that way, too. It shows up in practice, too. All right. I like that Mark is suddenly, because he's got this nice microphone in front of him, is putting on like an NPR voice. And that's very nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Greg, you have gone full villain. And by the way, I think that I, I would vote to kick Greg off the show right now. I think we've all had enough. 
<laughs> wow, it is getting tense. That was tense. unbelievable. You know, and that sets up. Nicely. I haven't eaten all day. I think no, this is what? this is what Matt, happens. I'm are, usually a regular eater. You are now, a Greg. gigantic mess right now. <laughs> I love the tension, and it's a good time. It's a good time to now take sides, and um, that the game is, or the name of the segment is, the darkest timeline. And I think I might have used that name before, but I don't care. I'm using it again. The darkest timeline, and the, here's the situation. As you may know, the average margin of victory in the playoffs was 15 points. Uh, we, we saw blowouts all throughout the first three rounds uh, of the postseason. And now the, the, everyone's excited. Oh, but now we have uh, two great teams uh, in the Falcons and the Pats. We're going to see a nice close, uh, maybe a shootout uh, with one team prevailing or not, according to Mark. We might not have a winner. That was your prediction anyway. Still out there. Still out there. And, yeah, it's picking up steam, unfortunately. I Yeah, this is not what I, where I wanted it to go, but I can't control the... Did you read the tea leaves on this, or was that more like a blind, like, kind of Sessler, uh, Sessler you had, and now it's it's getting a little too real? Or did you kind I of I wish I could this? remember. I, I remember just that when I said it, you know, the general feeling was, well, you know, you don't know how to really play this game, but... Maybe, For those that don't know, you know, Mark predicted back in November, I believe, that there would be no winner in Super Bowl 51. In a sandwich bet. And, I mean, if I were yeah. to win, I don't really think that eating a sandwich that? is something that's going to solve, you know, it's not going to help anyone. So, no, I would not collect. I don't even know if we're going to be around uh, to be collecting or giving out sandwiches if there's no, you know, let's not, let's not well, get let's too spend dark. our last few days. <laughs> this you is know, the darkest time. Millions of yeah. sports reporters, crushed up, fleshy masses. <laughs> Try and interview athletes. That's a good way to go out. Anyway, so yes, the darkest timeline is another. You haven't seen your kids in two weeks either. No, everything's fine. <laughs> another another blowout in the Super Bowl, which we don't want, uh, but it could happen. And and what we're going to do today, and and our next show, we're going to formally make our Super Bowl picks. Maybe we'll do a couple sandwich props and have some fun on Thursday. But right now, we're going to, you know, going to go on the side of some cold reality potentially mm. and make the case for both the Falcons and the Patriots, how they might be the team uh, that uh, is responsible for laying another blowout on another playoff team. So what we'll do mm. here is we'll put the scientists together. Um, Greg, Seems unfair. Greg and West, but you know, but the good thing is they might turn each other, turn on each other. <laughs> like Not like that. And you, cause there's a lot of down in the lab. The egos no. are yep. very large. Oh, yep. please. please. Uh, and then, you know, we're upstairs, Mark. Well, oh, nice time. oh, yeah. We're... I like how you literally put yourself above us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're, the, we're the ego-driven uh, duo. We're this not group. allowed down there. <laughs> uh, so the scientists will take the side and make the case of why we're about to see a Patriots blowout. Mark and I uh, will make the case why the Falcons uh, who have blown out many a team this season, will do it again uh, on the first Sunday of February uh, at NRG Stadium. And uh, that would be the darkest timeline because we want to have a close game. Like, we all, here we go. Here's the priority. I don't want to see a Patriots win, period. Uh, so that would be dark. But if the Patriots blow out the Falcons and you guys are about to make the case how it could happen, uh, that would be the darkest timeline for the old Zeuser. So why don't we start there? Greg, Wes, make the case why the Falcons don't have a chance. You know, Bill Belichick, when you hear him talk about the Falcons, there's a lot of respect. He he has a lot of respect for their offense. He talks about their team speed so much that Patriots players are going through the motions, just dropping the phrase team speed into everything they say because it's a talking point for the Falcons. 
for the Patriots this week. But when he had Dimitrov coming through his system, the two parted ways on one core philosophy. Hmm. Dimitrov built his team to be fast on that track inside the dome. That's their dominant characteristic, and you see it in their linebackers, which are three of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. Bill's linebackers are big, and they've always been big. He builds powerful teams, and he's going to look at this Falcons team as much as he respects them like the Indianapolis Colts. Hmm. He is going to line up, send LeGarrette Blunt down their throats 30 times for 150 yards and three touchdowns because he knows that this allegedly improved Falcons defense for the past six weeks is getting up on inferior opponents at the front of the game, scoring on an opening touchdown, allowing their pass rush to come flying off the edges with no concern whatsoever for play action or anything else because you've got a big lead. He is going to run the ball down the Falcons' throats because he doesn't think their defense is a backbone. Greg? You guys are going to present your entire case, Greg. And oh, we I thought were, we were going, we'll respond, no? going back and forth a, no, a little. No, and I are on the upstairs. A little. No, we're, 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 I haven't heard enough to be impressed yet, so go ahead, Greg. Well, that's not you. I'm just trying to. If you're gonna, if you're gonna take, if you're gonna take one coach, <laughs> if you're gonna take one coach for one game to create one game plan, you got an extra week to do it. You know, I'm gonna take Bill Belichick. He's he's gone against the greatest offenses in the history of the NFL before. Hasn't won them all, but he's won a lot of them uh, against some of those Colts teams, against the the Bills back in the '80s as the Giants defensive coordinator, against the Rams. And one of the big difference to me is in the secondary. And I agree, Wes, that the Falcons' defense, when I watch them, where's the improvement? I don't really see the improvement. The Patriots and Falcons are first and second in the NFL offensively in yards after the catch. The Patriots are first defensively in preventing yards after the catch. So that's a strength for them. It's strength on strength. Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, you know, Ryan, Ryan said today, that they told him that's why they drafted him. If you can't tackle, you don't play for the Patriots. Deron Harmon said he couldn't get on the field until he could tackle. That's what they do well. That's how the the Falcons get a lot of their big plays. The Falcons, on the other hand, are dead last in the NFL in yards after catch allowed. And that's not just the receivers. If I was them, that I'd be worried about. I'd be worried about our boy Deion Lewis. I'd be worried about James White. I'd be worried about... All of them because they they make you make tough decisions and you look at this secondary and that's where you can see the big plays. Whereas with the Patriots, big plays are death. Bill Belichick, you know, he was talking yesterday too. There's nothing worse than a big play. We want to get them into third downs. We want to get them into the red zone situations. Of course, every team wants to do that. But the Patriots have proven year after year after year that they rank higher in points allowed than yards allowed. And that's why I could see a lot of sevens for the Patriots and some threes for the Falcons. And in these games, the case to me is these games are weird. The conference championship and the Super Bowl games are have too many blowouts because I, I don't know what it is. It's the pressure of the game. It's the moment when you have a certain velocity going in one direction. It's somehow they, they lose track of who they really are as a team. And to me, I don't expect the Patriots I just do not expect the Patriots for that to happen. If they fell down by 12, I would think they can come back in this game. If the Falcons fall down by 12, haven't been in this situation much, I could see it going another way. That And that's where, Mark, <clears throat> yes. I could not disagree more. This foul, and Wes, you've been pounding the table yourself. When are we going to start giving the Falcons the credit they deserve 
nationally? Why are we always making excuses why uh, other teams fail to handle the Falcons? It's the Falcons that are whooping on teams, and I don't think there's any way that the, the Patriots, and I know their defense statistically looks good, and they did a nice job against the Steelers. The Steelers killed themselves killed themselves and played maybe one of their worst games of the season. Bad Steelers came back at a terrible time in the AFC title game. So on some level, and this is going to, I get it, I'm a Patriots hater, but I do honestly still believe on some level the Patriots haven't truly been tested uh, against a a truly great offense. And, Mark, this is an all-time offense. Bill Belichick said it himself, and it's not because he's buttering up his opponent. Yeah, they have scored 30-plus points in 10 of their last 12 games. They are not a team that was at their peak power back in week six or week seven. They are at their peak power right now. Talked with a couple of defensive backs on the Patriots today. Patrick Trump basically said, I didn't drop a name. Greg, please refrain from speaking. Greg is interrupting my segment of the podcast. After what your, said segment, show. your segment, your segment, my portion of our segment. After the I, NPR thing, right. you would think that you'd be All right. less. I mean, you know, right. continue you will on. Never be hired by NPR. <laughs> continue on, Terry Gross. <laughs> Let's start right there. The Atlanta. Don't Falcons, let him get to you, Mark. Keep power. I am going to not let him get yeah. to me. I I love what Atlanta does on offense because if other teams have that one or two players that Bill Belichick can say we're going to erase them and you wipe out that offense if you if you're successful with that. You can't do that with Atlanta. They have they have so many different ways they can attack you. Matt Ryan has been overlooked most of all season. He's an MVP quarterback. This isn't last year's Cam Newton and the Panthers going in and facing an offense or the defense like the Denver Broncos. This is a different situation. I understand Belichick, Belichick with a week to prepare is highly dangerous, but this Falcons team, to me, I feel like there is not a weakness on their offense. And you can say sevens and threes, but how are you going to hold the Falcons' offense to threes over and over? And now this is how it gets to a blowout. This is how it gets there. And I know it's hard to imagine the Patriots and Belichick being blown out, but let's have some fun It's here. happened in the playoffs. It could happen. It could it's happen. Happened. The Falcons score first on everybody. The Falcons can score second on anybody, too. If the Falcons jump out fast here, and we know they can, and they do it literally every week. That whole game plan, if the Patriots are like we want to, we want to pound it right, right down their throats, and 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 go that path and lean on the running game. If they can get out to that early lead and take the Patriots out of their initial game plan, yes, Tom Brady can get in a shootout with anybody. But I like the Falcons just being so overwhelming. Uh, with yeah, they get two weeks to plan for the Patriots too. That they lay 45-50 burger in a huge spot, and it could happen 45-21. There's our case. They're not giving up on that game plan. There are five dominant units and one really weak one in this game. Two great Mm. offenses, two great special teams, one top-ranked defense, and one defense that just isn't good. And that's going to be the weakness. That's not fair because we've been saying all year that we're, we're giving all these defenses too much credit. The Patriots, you could make the same case for them. So maybe they're only the sixth best defense. That's a lot different than the Falcons having the worst defense in the NFL in yards after contact. Also the third worst red zone defense this century. This is a defense Mm. that can be exploited by a smart coaching staff and a good quarterback. You don't think that the Patriots uh, can have a bad, really bad day on defense in this game? No, I think the Falcons can make any defense have a really bad day. But I'm saying the Patriots can do that much more easily. Just like the fa- just like I said, every everything came so much easier to Matt Ryan and the Falcons than it did to Aaron Rodgers because they had to work so much harder. Things come easier to the Patriots' defense than the Falcons' defense because the Falcons' defense just isn't very good. 
they they are there's they don't have strengths to match up with the Patriots' weaknesses. I really think the Patriots are vulnerable, like in the interior offensive line. I I, I know they've been a good offensive line this year. They haven't been as good in the playoffs. I think that that can be a problem. Do I think that Rashid Hageman is gonna get after them? Been playing well lately. He's been playing well lately. Brian Cox was Grady Jarrett was talking well. him up at, at the at the media day. Cox incidentally said he said his Saturday will be will be determined how successful it is by how many cigars he smokes. I love Brian Cox, but Brian Cox is the best. <laughs> he he was trying to not be too respectful for Belichick, who's meant a lot to him in in his career. I I don't think those guys are particularly big strengths for them. Like Vic Beasley hasn't done anything in about four or five weeks. Dwight Freeney's playing pretty well. But if Dwight Freeney's your best pass rusher going into a Super Bowl over over the last week or two, that's a problem. What do you have to hold the Falcons to for a chance to win this? I mean, are you are they've scored under twenty points one all one time all season. Are we expecting them to go and drop seventeen points in this game? Yeah, I think they're gonna look at what the what the Eagles did when they held them under twenty and, and frankly were the were the better team in that game. With, with a good defense, and I think you're going to see the Falcons haven't really played a good defense lately. The one way to stop Brady is pressure, and there's no way to. I, I can obviously, you know, we're we're talking about this. It would still surprise me if there was a blowout in either direction. It's just easier to see it from from the Patriots. We thought that but, a lot during the playoffs. That's all. That's, <laughs> that's back to the main thesis here. That's that's true, but I it for a Patriots fan. To know that Tom Brady's facing a team without a great pass rush week after week in these playoffs, that's all you can ever ask for. Because you, you just kind of don't believe that he's going to be totally stopped when, unless you have a great pass rush. I mean, he came back two touchdowns on the Seahawks, on the on a great 2014 Seahawks defense. So that's, what, that's why I would think if he, they're down in this game, he can come back. Um, all right, so let's hope there's no blowout. But that's how there could be a blowout on either side of this game. And like and like I said, on Thursday, uh, we will uh, approach the game from another angle and, uh, and then also pick the games. Um, and we're getting near the end of the show now. What's going on for the rest of the week for everybody? I will let you know my... Party schedule. I'll be at the uh, at the at the Madden Bash. Wes, you're welcome as a plus one to all these parties. By the way, don't, don't even say that. I am not going to any parties. <laughs> I am just no. I'm not even invited. First of all, and nobody there wants to talk to me. I'd rather meet with a stranger. You know, in downtown. Wait, are you worried that out. the Paramore is going to listen to this episode, Ooh. hear it, and and say? Greg they, really Dan invited. Today. I mean, Greg just made that five times worse if that yeah, happens. You're in a, a tough spot now. The Paramore, the Paramore and I have gone about 15 rounds on this issue. <laughs> yeah. She comes down on the other side of it. I just have no business at these parties, nor do I want to be in a party. Wes, we can hang out in that <laughs> lobby with four or five other humans, three of them waitresses, and you and me. Much more appetizing. I'm sure those three waitresses are more interesting than any of the celebrities at this party. Okay, so Wes, Wes surprisingly has made a strong opinion on on a topic. I will be at the Madden party. Uh, I'm gonna go, uh, and then Keith comes into town. Keith Hans is coming oh, yeah. in for the game. Uh, really excited about that. Who's and also he rooting for? My brother-in-law Keith. Uh, usually, <clears throat> usually my dad is uh, rooted on the side of the AFC team. That's kind of what we do. Same thing with. Baseball with the World Series. Mm, that's so, that's a very old old, old yeah. school approach. I like that. But there are exceptions, <laughs> and a, a, a New England team would be one of them. So it would, I think the the Hansis house in general is coming down 
on the side of pro Falcons <laughs> this Sunday. Not surprised. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing that. Greg, what do you guys see? What up? you want? You want my dad and my brother who are coming to this Ooh. game to be sad. That's what you're saying. I want him to have a nice time. You know, who knows Dan how many, how many more Super Bowls da- that he'll get to go to. He's been sad all season. He's going to sign with, you know, he needs my to dad has never happen. seen, you know, you know, this is his second Super Bowl. First one did not include <clears> the Patriots. Who knows? He might never get a chance to see the Patriots win the Super Bowl. I and hope your you dad has a miserable. great time enjoying the experience, <laughs> not the game. Did you just say that your dad has really experienced four Super Bowl titles but never in person? So no, no, oh feel sorry. Let's calm down on the morning the of adult of Patriots fans. He's never seen it in person. My goodness. I'm just saying, you know, he's getting up there in years. Just give the man something. Give him one, the fifth Super Bowl title, this one in person. Also, if they were to lose, I'm 36 get, years old. I've never seen my team in the Super Bowl. Period. So. <laughs> Come on, Greg. That's not fair. You make it too easy sometimes. The throne of ease. You're a villain. You speaking of putting the mic, the mic changes people. You're kind of in that like, hey, I'm the guy with the leather jacket in the corner, slinging arrows. This is not in a big leather. Spot. This is not leather. Drawing a big circle in my notebook. <laughs> no, that's my note. Yeah, that was my daughter who drew that. Really, um, very nice. Mark, your final thoughts on that that vicious, savage NPR dig from Greg. Don't appreciate it. It wasn't a analysis. dig at all. And I, again, I'll go back to this. I if love NPR. NPR. Were to hire me, they would not hire Greg. And so they, I would be happy to work for NPR. I mean, Terry Gross is like the goat. You you should wish to be Terry Gross. Wow. Another dig. Another dig. <laughs> Greg is coming out of the gate hot in this Super Bowl week. Like he's feeling insecure about something, a little bit nervous. Maybe nervous. We'll get to the bottom of it at some point. So Greg has attacked um, Mark as a professional. Needlessly. Trying to submarine Wes's relationship and then took a needless dig at my Jets who are already on the ground, a dead wow. horse. Wow. I didn't know this was such a bunch of... Mouth. You know, I didn't know all these sensitive snowflakes in here no, or whatever. No, no, no. Wow, now it's our fault yeah. because we're sensitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just sound like a Trump supporter. You're the man in the black hat once you, once you get in the studio here at iHeart Studio. I iHeart Radio. I really think it's, you know, I'm usually well fed and I haven't eaten all day. I really haven't Real eaten in, in like two days and it, and it and it's bad for you. It makes well, you you're ornery. Come very well to the listeners. Um, we, uh, who do we have in the car downstairs? Mitch. Mitch. Mitch is downstairs. We've got our own Mitch. We got to get to Mitch. Who... Well, you got some bangers coming. Everyone should read the bangers coming from Sessler and Wes. And make sure Mark's long form. Uh, how did it turn out, Mark? Was it, it a banger? Out, it turned out all right. You're happy with it? Yeah, I'm happy I'm with looking, it. Yeah. I'm going to read it tonight. The Road to Houston. Road to Houston is the, well, I believe it's, look up, do norm, forward hashtag Super Bowl City. Go to my Twitter <laughs> feed. Hashtag. It is pinned on my Twitter. Just go there. Did you say forward hashtag? <laughs> yeah, because forward, I don't know. Because there were two, there were two addresses for it. And I don't never wanna, be Terry Gross, I don't want to go around it. Look at my Twitter feed. More followers than Terry Gross, I would imagine. Greg, Probably you, much less, uh, actually. did you figure out that the name that you brought up and then didn't have the answer or it was some type of note that you had? Don't turn this around on me. Okay. No, I was saying I thought maybe you would look at it. We're just tying up loose ends now. All right. That's it. Next time you hear from us will be Thursday night um, or Thursday afternoon. That will be our official, let's call it the official Super Bowl 51 preview show. Um, again, here from uh, iHeartRadio Studios in Houston. Um, thank you to Sports Talk 790 for helping us out with this. Uh, and uh, we will be back. Uh, thank you for listening. 
and and stay tuned in on uh, all of our social media feeds. But I'll try to do another. Uh, I did a live Periscope. Uh, Wes and I tried it earlier. Maybe we'll do another one on Thursday. So thank you to everybody for listening. It is time to go. Uh, so this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. You could be Terry Grossmark. I believe in you. No comment. The mailman. The man in the black hat. And new money all the way back in Culver City. Till Thursday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.